And now, Girls in Hoodies. Hello, and welcome to the Girls in Hoodies podcast. My name is Emily Yoshida. I'm an editor at Grantland.com, and with me is... Molly Lambert, a writer at Grantland. And joining us this week in our cross-country edition of Girls and Hoodies, but she's right here next to me in New York City. We have Anne Helen Peterson, features writer at BuzzFeed and author of Scandals of Classic Hollywood, which is available now. Hello. Hi. 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 <laughs> um, long-time listener. <laughs> so excited to be here. <laughs> this is. We, we we need to explain a little bit. So, so Anne and Anne, Anne Helen and I are in. Wait, should I call you Anne Helen? Is yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah. It, it it feels like you know some people have middle names. Yeah. Where it seems like you say it. it. Yeah. Like Barbara Joe. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So so I feel like it's I feel like it's that kind of name. But correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I don't actually go by Anne or Anne Helen. Like I go by Annie. But oh, okay. But in the in the newsroom, there's a lot of Anne Helen. Can you come over here for a second? Um, so we are Anne Helen, Annie, and yes. I. Where's Annie? Are <laughs> uh, are in New York, uh, and 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 Molly is joining us over the phone in Los Angeles. So it's a little bit of a mix up, but hopefully everybody can bear with us. Yeah, deal with the confusion. Um, but we have a lot to talk about this week, in addition to your book, which we will get to later on in the pod. But I know we all wanted to talk about American Horror Story Freak Show, which premiered last night, the day that we're recording this, but Wednesday, if you're listening to this. Um, and we've all kind of, I feel like we've all had sort of mixed relationships with the show, or spotty at best. But oh, yeah. um, but uh, I don't know, Molly, what was your immediate takeaway um, my immediate takeaway was that I first tried to watch it during the daytime, <laughs> and I, after ten minutes, went it's too early for this. I just watched it at work. <laughs> that was not really? smart. <laughs> wait, wait, I got I got up to to Jessica Lang holding the world's smallest woman. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and I was like, that's when you guys I, I tapped like, out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it needs to be nighttime for this to make any sense. <laughs> well, I mean, I I tweeted this, and I feel like I didn't elaborate enough on on what I meant by this when I tweeted this, but I feel like, and 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 no no knocks to your your place of employment, Anne, <laughs> but uh, I feel like the show is conceived as a BuzzFeed list first. Oh, yeah. And no. then a script is written. Yeah. Like, you have the thing of top ten most random things <laughs> that happened on American Horror Story. Yes. And it's like, okay, how do we make a plot out of this? Yeah. Like, Because, yeah. I mean, so did you watch the whole thing all the way through, Molly? Uh, yeah. So you, you saw the, 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 the musical number. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like, like they were like, they couldn't wait to bust out. They're like, this is no. so random. <laughs> Why? You know what? They've done that before. Yeah. yeah I know, I know. She always does a song. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I like uh, Jessica Lange as a weird Fassbender German diva. I do too. And when she makes fun of Marlena Dietrich in the scrapbook, she's like, like they paid her money just to like over whatever movie it was. I think like Valley of Eula or something. (laughs) Then I was like, and just like all of that rage over classic Hollywood. So yeah, it's great. It's right in your wheelhouse. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have a, I mean, we've talked a little bit about my relationship to horror in general. Um, I, have a hard time hanging with this show. I can appreciate a lot of it technically. There was one shot in particular on the premiere where I was like, wow, this is 
amazing. It's uh, it, it looks was, a lot better than last season. Yeah, uh. I think so. Uh, but there was a shot in the hospital when um, when uh, Jessica Lange meets Sarah Paulson's characters. Yeah, yeah. For the first time, and it like it the camera kind of tilts down through a, a gap in the curtain that's sort of yeah. blocking her. Yeah. And but but Jessica Lange stays in between the gap there, and mm-hmm. it's like an amazing shot. And I mean all the. All the art direction and technical stuff on the show is really pretty amazing and and unusual. It definitely just, seems like they upped the game this season because I remember watching the premiere last season and thinking that there were just so many Dutch angles. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that I needed more. And this, the whole sequence with the the clown, the picnic. Oh God. Which I was, I was, you know, I just thought, oh, this is completely ripped off from Zodiac. Yeah, yeah. But who who cares, you know? Like, uh, it's Zodiac, but with a scary clown, and the clown is very scary. Mm -hmm. I have a hot take. Yeah, go for it. On scary clowns. You don't think they're scary? Well, I think that people do believe that they're scary, but I feel like we've adopted that attitude. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's something... That maybe you just feel because everybody else says that clowns no, are scary. Yeah. Not at all. I, I, <laughs> I feel I the saw, same way. <laughs> I mean, I it did nothing for me. And I was frightened. That clown is scary. I mean, that, well, that clown is scary, but like the idea that someone sees normal clowns on the internet is like, no, I'm scared of clowns. I'm not going to go there. I think that's There's performative. It's scary yeah. about painting a face on top of your face. I also, you know. I'll tell you what's scary. I, I just, can't get over it. This is what's scary is somebody whose job it is to make people happy, like snapping one day. Like yeah. the actual psychological implications of a clown or like a sad or depressed clown. Yeah. That that doesn't even it's scare terrifying. me. That's just yeah, that just like depresses me and makes me want to crawl in a hole. Like I It's like Pagliacci. It's a it's a timeless yeah. tale of terror. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the credit sequence, like I always in season three, this the credit sequence always freaked me out so much oh, yeah. more than anything else on the show. And this time it feels like it's beautiful. Like it's uh, last time, like it felt like very like uh, Blair Witch. Like mm-hmm. they just kind of like done some shadows and like turned on. I don't know, like slowed down the film. And this time, it's like this gorgeous animated kind of quasi Game of Thrones type. Yeah. of Yeah. Well, you know, I, it rem- it freaks me out really bad because it reminds me of the Alice in Chains video for oh. Star of Five, which is about Good one. a scary circus and its claymation. And there's something about scary circus claymation that just totally unsettles me and makes me really freaked out and it worked perfectly on me well i feel like there's a little bit of a limit especially like knowing that it's ryan murphy who's doing this Mm -hmm. and like he always kind of has this spirit of inclusiveness about like outsiders and stuff that's sort of one of his sort of yeah sort (laughs) of and then goes crazy with that but like I I feel like there's a certain limit to how much they can actually make the freaks scary on mm-hmm. it. Like it's yeah. got to eventually be a thing about Humanizing how they're them. really yeah yeah how the the all the people in the show and in the in the tent are are kind of cuddly and and misunderstood and it's everybody else and so I feel like in that way it's a little bit misleading of a of like a premise for the show. I mean, not that I want it to just be like gawking at, at you know, people with deformities and stuff right. like that, it's but like a, uh, an attempt to reboot HBO's Carnival. Yeah. Oh yeah. I never watched that. That was good. Oh, I'm good. Um, I mean, like I wrote this piece last year about 
season three and abjection and like women and and witches and blood and like how we're we're simultaneously scared and desirous of that sort of thing and how like that element is really I don't know it's the more kind of theoretically progressive part of Ryan Murphy and you see that here too like freaks mm-hmm. it's like we're terrified of them but at the same time like cannot stop looking at yeah. them and are desirous and that sort of thing but again I think like there's this fine line between like him investigating that and fetishizing it yeah yeah and he always I mean that was super obvious on Glee the whole mm-hmm. you, you know it's like he wants to have us cake and eat it too a little bit of, you know, oh, this person's an outsider, but then everyone else is going to make mean jokes about them yeah. that are sort of meant to be real jokes, you know, about whatever their thing is. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's a, it's, it's weird, but... Um, I have a quick question for you guys. What is Kathy Bates' accent? <laughs> Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah. Really? That's what it's meant to be, I believe. Oh man, is it good? Is it a good Pennsylvania accent? Oh. I honestly couldn't tell. I was like, is she Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna, rural Pennsylvania? I'm say, if it's Kathy Bates, it's probably probably a good right. accent. Sure. I mean, I'm sure she did her homework, but yeah, just didn't. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. And then, I mean, I guess they're they come from all over the place. They all they all all roads lead to Jupiter, Florida. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it's in Florida, Molly, your favorite place. I know, except I kept recognizing it as Pasadena. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot suspend your belief that much. No, you can, I you can get I... scared about the picnic and the clown, but not Jupiter, yeah, but Florida. Was, but even the picnic and the clown, I was like, ooh, where in Malibu is that? <laughs> oh man, um, so. Uh, so another interesting thing happened this week, which I don't know. I've I haven't really I haven't talked to Molly about this at all. I don't think I've talked to you about it. Yeah. Um, but the the uh, announced rebooting of Twin Peaks, scheduled for 2016, 25 years after Twin Peaks left the air in 1991 on ABC, um, and I am still processing this news. I. Uh, <laughs> Twin Peaks is like a top five thing for me as far as obsessions over the years. And I'm like, I'm just honestly not sure what I would want from it. uh, If it's like, I I, I mean, honestly, I'm just kind of excited that there's going to be a David Lynch thing. Yeah. Yeah. A a David Lynch TV show. Yeah. That's great. Like, I kind of wish it was something new, but yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Sort of will be. Well, what do you guys, I mean, what do you guys make of the news and... I mean, I feel like no one would give David Lynch a TV show that wasn't pre-branded like Twin Peaks. Right. Like, maybe IFC would give him (laughs) $25,000. The Mulholland Drive is almost a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I wish it were, you know. Yeah, because then it would be, like, not seven hours. No, no, it would be it would be seventy hours. Right. <laughs> right, but not like one movie that you like keep waking up and you're like, This is still uh, happening. Oh man, I love all Oh, all I love it. I love it. The first time I, I like- saw it was in France and it was all in French and so I was even more confused. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good movie to like fall asleep and wake up during yes. if you want to have really cool nightmares. Just yes. wake up right when the little people are running under the door. It's like yeah. you're still dreaming. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I it's obviously super encouraging that it's that it's um it's still Mark Frost and David mm-hmm. Lynch doing all of it. You know, it's it's going to be a pretty cut and dry ten episodes. Like it's not. 
I mean, it's just, did they say it's just going to be a miniseries, basically? It's not like they're bringing it back and then who knows if it gets picked up again. Like, right. I don't know. I feel yeah. like they, they haven't said, like, that much specifics. Yeah. But I can't see Lynch. I mean, he didn't even stick around for more than a season of the first one, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just feels like a little bit... I just, I, you know, I, I've already had gone through all of these sorts of feelings about, you know, Star Wars coming back and everything, yeah. which I'm much more emotionally divorced from at this point anyway. I'm kind of just like, bring it on. Sure, I'll watch. I, I am I am spiritually obligated to go to whatever Star Wars thing comes <laughs> yeah. out for the rest of time. But yeah. but Twin Peaks, I feel like it's a little bit different. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it, but it's like... It feels like I, I I love all the people who are involved in that so much that it's more like I want us I want them to move on. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I but I mean one thing I am interested in is watching David Lynch kind of screw around with all the people who try to interview him as a showrunner. You know, because he's so mm-hmm. resistant to ever ascribing meaning to anything that he makes. Yeah, and so he's just going to frustrate every single like interviewer at TCA yeah. to no end. Yeah. Oh, that'll be a fun. That'll be a fun tour. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, have you guys ever been to North Bend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Seattle for several years. And yeah. I, I lo- like, going out that area, and it, like especially when it's so foggy and you're going mm-hmm. over I-90, and mm-hmm. it's just like... You kind of get you get lifted up into a, a cloud. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went I went there a few years ago. I mean, I've done all the geeky fan pilgrimage type things that you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. and... I don't know. I'll rewatch it again. I rewatch it every couple of years. It's just like a ritual. It's like an illness. But <laughs> I don't know. But I don't know. I guess that's where we are with Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think ambivalence really is like the tenor of most people's reaction to this. It's I'll take like... the pro attitude just to make it interesting. <laughs> I think it'll be great. I just changed. I, I'm just saying that to. Uh mix it up. I don't know if this was true or not or if this was just a joke somebody tweeted but somebody said that the reason it's on Showtime is that David Lynch just liked the artwork that was in David Nevins' Nevins' office. (laughs) Uh, It seems like it's good a reason as any. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it would be, it would be soup. I would be fascinated. I would, I would have popcorn in front of me if it was going to be on ABC again. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> Did you see I tweeted the promos for when it was on ABC? Oh no. It's so amazing. I've seen most of them though. Cause I think they're, they're we, all... there's some that are on the box set and mm-hmm. then there's like another weirder set that some fan put on YouTube. Yeah. And like the way that ABC is trying to like reconcile that this crazy programming <laughs> is on like American Broadcasting Corporation. Yeah. It's just amazing. Well, they had, yeah, it's so weird to think that it was an ABC show. Yeah. Or it was yeah. ABC now. And part it, of the... it was something that everybody was watching. Yeah. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't just a kind of subculture type thing. Yeah. It was, like, everybody you knew was watching it. I mean, ob- I obviously wasn't old enough to remember that. See, but... well, I remember it happening because my parents watched it. Oh. And, like, they yeah, talked about it with their, with their like, friends. Yeah. But, my and parents I... watched it and they taped it off TV. And yes. then I remember I would, like, watch these really warped videotapes of it, which Ooh. was... That's, perfect. That's the perfect way to watch Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like <laughs> theme song is wavering a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they used to have that call-in line, too, where you could, um, mm-hmm. like, Lucy would answer the phone. Oh, yeah. Would, like, there's all this stuff that you just, like... Oh, and my parents had the soundtrack oh, on yeah. cassette. And would, my like, friend, put it on Lizzie had the books. The, oh, wow. The, Diary, the oh, yeah. Diary yeah, yeah, yeah. of Bob Palmer, which is filthy oh, and yeah. great. It's and, pretty uh, scandalous. And the one that's like Dale Cooper's journals or whatever. 
Yeah. Well, that I mean, that'll be cool. I mean, if, of, of anybody, like, obviously, Kyle MacLachlan's going to be back, and, you know, that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I want to know if Marf and Boyle will be back. That's the number one thing I'm oh, interested in. I don't in. think so. She's such a recluse now after yeah. plastic surgery. What does she even do now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm very curious. I mean, she's an interesting person. Yeah. She, uh, a good actress. Yeah. Yeah, she's great in, great in Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. Wayne's sure, World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, uh, let's let's move on. Uh, Molly, last night you had a very special evening with um, David Fincher and I did. and Gone Girl, um, and you and and several hundred other people. I'm assuming. Me and several hundred people, but it was just like we were the only two people. Yeah, he was talking to you. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so Gone Girl came out this past weekend. Molly, you saw a Q and A panel. With uh, with David Venture and Elvis Mitchell at the Ace downtown, and um, we've all seen it now. I feel like I feel like I feel like the internet just like spun itself into a frenzy and is like done. Like at this yeah. point, we're like I, we're I on the downside. I waited until Wednesday. You know, I yeah. was all weekend. I was just like, can't look at the internet. Yeah. I don't want to know anything. Yeah, you have a lot of catch up reading to do now. I'm sure. Yeah, and I knew that was going to happen, though. You know, like the tight was like the, just because the anticipation with the book, there was so much. Like, oh yeah, no. I, when I flew out here, I would, like you know, I went down to go to the bathroom. When I came back, it was like three people on my <laughs> way back were reading Gone Girl. It's like <laughs> totally, it's, it's the obsession right now. But yeah, I mean, like even even with us, it's like we knew. Well, we have to have a certain amount of stuff about Gone Girl. Like yeah. I mean, as a website, you plan for that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. it really. You know, I for all of the build up and, and everything and as big a fan of as I am of, of Fincher, I I kind of I mean, I enjoyed the film but I didn't find it that uh I didn't find that it merited that much discussion as people were giving it. But, have you read the book? No, I haven't. So I feel like that's where a lot of it comes from is yeah. the discrepancies between the book and the and the movie. Yeah. But but yeah. Molly, you read the book and you read the book? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I thought I mean, it was very faithful of the book, sort of almost almost uh to a fault. But really, I've I've heard yeah. I've heard different, but I don't know. I mean, the one thing, like the piece that I wrote about it, was that the way that she describes the cool girl in the book, like you see Amy actually act as a cool girl in the book. She discusses like in that first part where, sorry, spoiler alert, where it's from her perspective, like she is performing cool girlness. Mm-hmm. But this time, like she doesn't seem cool in the beginning. No, like, yeah, and so you don't. Yeah. I thought she seemed cool. Am I wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I thought she seemed like annoying and passive aggressive. She seemed I like she, she was. I thought she seemed annoying and passive aggressive in the book. You know? <laughs> I think so too. I mean, part of in it. In the is, first part of the book. In the first part of the book. Yeah. I think you part know, of I it thought is it was that posturing. Flynn comes up with this paragraph, you know, the cool girl paragraph, which is so like on point, but I don't think that she's actually that skilled at writing that character. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like. Rosamund Pike wasn't that skilled at playing that character. I mean, that was the problem for the film with me. I thought she was great. (laughs) You told me that you thought she was terrible, and I thought because I thought she was doing the Mulholland Drive. Were were low. My expectations were low because a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's not as good as you want it to be." So my expectations were low, and then I really liked it. And I thought that she was just doing sort of the Mulholland Drive thing in the first part of the movie, where she is playing this sort of artificial-seeming character, right. but yeah. there's something about it that's a little off and unsettling, where you're like, oh, this seems artificial, and her hair looks like a wig, yep. the way that hair looks like a wig in Vertigo, where you're yeah. like, yeah. 
Oh, well, the she's very so Hitchcockian. Yeah, she's a total Hitchcock blonde. Yeah, but that's the problem yeah. is that nobody else is. I don't feel like Ben Affleck is, right. is is living there. I don't even feel like Tyler Perry is living no, there. No, no, like, no. Yeah. And that's like I think that's what makes this movie feel muddled is that like you have Rosamund Pike in either Hitchcock movie or like she's living in the same movie as Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, like they, they when so they funny. and that that whole part of the movie where they're in the lake house. I was like, yeah. this is a different movie, yeah. but I kind of like this movie. It's yeah, insane. Yeah, but like well, at least it holds together. Yeah. During a Q and A, he talked. He compared the Neil Patrick Harris character to Claire Quilty, uh, right. which I thought was totally great and perfect, yeah. and made it all make sense. For that's what he said basically was like, "Oh, Desi has totally different motivations than any of the other characters yeah. in this movie. Yeah. He's like on a completely different path. Well, he's living has, in a completely different world too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He compared. He called him Claire Quilty crossed with Sting, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. Wow. <laughs> That makes that whole... I mean, I kind of got that character, but if you didn't, that kind of, like, makes that whole character come together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a long movie, and I felt like the thing that Fincher does so well is make you, like, he... There's a gravity, like, a propulsion to his films always, and so it makes it seem, like, less than the the amount of time it is, at least for me. I don't know. What did you guys think? Yeah, I never, never, like, checked my watch or anything. I knew it was long, but it didn't... It did not feel long, because... Maybe also because I knew, you know, having read the book, I knew, like, oh, it can't end until this part happens and this part happens. Yeah. So I was yeah. kind of prepared. Wait, I want um, to go back to... I really liked it. I want to go back to the cool girl speech for a second, though, just because, like, I feel like, like you're we saying, like, it's it's very much... It feels like something central to what the book wants, or the movie, I guess, in the book, too, wants mm-hmm. to communicate. And I, in the end, I don't feel like this the story whether it's the book or the movie is anything more than a thriller yeah like and i feel like i i i don't know and if there's anything else like i'm missing for some reason i mean i when i walked away and it was like you know whatever the the shocking thing that happens at the end which i was expecting something way more shocking also it was like i was like so that was that was what happened. Like, that was a series of events. Like, the, all these crazy things happened to these two crazy people, and yeah. we're done now. And she's the crazy one. Right. You know, yeah. I feel like the book has much more of a, like, a political, mm. like a, uh, political's the wrong word, but like an ideological critique, sure. and I do think that that's absent from the movie. Yeah. I thought it was in the movie. I like, I thought, uh, you know, I think it's like a movie about marriage kind of dressed up as a thriller. Do you think it's that... really about marriage? I mean, I I just yeah. don't feel like it has any particularly trenchant observations about marriage. And I, I, I'm saying this as an unmarried person, right. so Other maybe I don't like, know what I'm talking about. Be crazy, right? Yeah. Which is like well, an well, it's not even just It's not even be crazy. It's this bitch in particular. Be crazy. <laughs> right, like, right. There's a big laugh line at the end about like, oh, we're just gonna like drive each other crazy until we like resent each other yeah, and right. control each other forever. Like that's what marriage is. And right. we laughed so hard. In that's theater. so groany though. I, I know, just feel like totally. it was, I don't know. It's like that's not. I don't feel like. It ha- like I don't feel like it has anything universal to say, despite lines like that, which you know, that's like your takeaway line that you put in the IMDb quote page or something. Like I feel like it's like a fun revolutionary road. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh my Equal god! Amounts of blood. Is it too late to put that on the post? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like, seriously though. It's like I think that so many novels are about you know dissolutions of relationships or 
how hard it is to be in a relationship and just individuals trying to balance, you know, just so many serious novels are about that. And I love just the way that this book and the movie take sort of that theme and then put all these really pulpy trappings around it. So it's also just incredibly entertaining and it's not just like a Raymond Carver story where people are just drinking themselves to death because they're so miserable. You know, it's yeah. like people are miserable so they get knives. <laughs> See, I think I feel like I just never saw the transformation from her being kind of normal or like a little type A or whatever to being an all out psycho. Like, I just feel like she was that from the beginning just because I I feel like those meet those like when the scenes when they meet each other. Yeah. were so awkwardly acted that I never was like, oh, this was a normal couple who, you know, just drove each other crazy. Like right. it, it was, You don't think that they, was because you knew what was coming? I didn't know. That's the thing is I have no idea. I had complete, remained completely spoiler-free about what happened. I did not know. Wow. Spoiler that she she uh, she faked her own death. But uh, I knew that from the second that, that she's introduced. I was like, oh, she did it. Like that, just because of the way that 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 character was acted, I yeah. was like, I was just waiting for it to be revealed, and when it was, it was like not surprising to me at all. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm brilliant. Maybe that's what the lesson. Yeah, is. maybe you're all crazy. <laughs> Do you think Rosamund Pike's gonna be a movie star? Uh, you know, I is Rooney Mara a movie star. Yeah. Um, to this Grantland staff, she is. <laughs> or actually, no, I take that back to Chris Ryan and myself. She is. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, I feel like she was cast for looks here because she uh, looks amazing. And I mean, I feel like she's, she looks right for the part. Mm-hmm. And it's just every time she, every time she opened her mouth, uh, it just didn't really add up. I, I don't know. Good. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy. I like that uh, actresses in parts like that. Like someone suggested that I didn't it think could be she like, bad. like it's like if you put January Jones and Don Draper, or sorry, John Hamm in those roles, like how funny that would be. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, again, it's the story of like a marriage disintegrating. Yeah, that yeah, that would be that would be interesting. I don't know. Uh, you, you just I have love, to. I just I love psycho <laughs> movies. <laughs> my, one of my favorite genres. <laughs> It's you, been a while since we got a good one. You know, yeah, I was just, like, so excited to see a woman mopping up blood. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he gets to do it. I have so many lines I could say. I have so many responses to that. I'm not going to. We won't go there. I... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I I hate to sound like such a contrarian because I did enjoy myself while watching the movie. It's just like in the whole scope of all of David Fincher's films. And I still haven't seen Girl with a Dragon Tattoo because I kept telling myself I was going to read it. So I still have not. See, that's... Oh, you movie. don't need to read that. No, you should just see that. that. That's another movie, though, that like there is a more feminist critique in the book mm. that is somewhat extract, like isn't part of the movie. It just turns into, a, I think, a good thriller. Yeah. I mean... I don't know what was before. So that was the last. That was his last film, right? And, yeah, and then before that it was a Social Network. Social Network, yeah. No, Benjamin Button. No, 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 no. It wasn't Social Network. I forget was, about Benjamin. Benjamin Button, Button was really? like uh, 08 or something. I feel like or yeah, 09. Yeah. Uh, wait. So what? What would be your guys's uh, off the top of your head venture power rankings? Zodiac. Zodiac number yeah. one. Yeah, Zodiac yeah. number one. Yeah. Do you guys? I I put I put Social Network under that. Like yeah. I actually really love Social Network. I do too. <laughs> I do too. Uh, I don't. I I feel like there was a ton of backlash when it came out, but I, you know, I 
I can go love or hate with with Aaron Sorkin writing, and I feel like that is an instance of like talkiness being really well complemented with Fincher's style. Yeah, because I feel like this script is also very talky and very like the the it was a little bit unrealistic how people, especially in the first half of the movie, like the way that people talked. But I feel like it didn't really work with the style of the film. But that, for some reason, just came together super well um, in Social Network. I, I don't know. What what would be your number threes? Hmm. <laughs> what else is there besides Seven and Fight Club? Fight Club. Oh, Fight Club. I Definitely like Fight Club. I, like, oh, I think Club. Fight Club is three yeah. for me. I feel like Fight Club, you know, had this peak and then it was kind of uncool and now it's cool again. See, I was having a conversation with somebody about this, and I feel like you go on a different journey over the years with Fight Club if you're a girl than if you're a guy. Because if you're a guy, especially if you're like a teenage boy when Fight Club comes out, it's like a whole, like, oh my god, my my entire world has been busted open, like, by this anti-conformist kind of screed and I'm going to read every single Chuck Palahniuk book and stuff and <laughs> and and for I, I don't know I feel like it never the stakes are never as as self-defining it's or something true. for a girl who enjoys that movie it's just like ah it looks cool and and no I totally disagree I was totally like yeah, let's go blow up an Ikea. <laughs> well, I love the end of that movie so much. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's the most romantic and thing. And Helena Bonham Carter in oh, that yeah. movie? Of oh, course. It's like a revelation. Well, that, that, was like, that was like a major life influence for, for me, I feel Great like. Movie. And Brad Pitt's abs were like... Yeah, <laughs> and so homoerotic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and he's doing. Uh, Fincher is doing uh, the the American version of Utopia, the British show next. Ah, for HBO. Not the reality show. Not that we the talk reality about show. All the time. We've talked about both Utopias. Definitely the reality show Utopia more. But um, I would watch a crossover. <laughs> um, I mean, I I'm I'm stoked about that personally. I. I'm kind of in between on the original. The thing is, that's funny is when we were talking about the reality show of Utopia so much, everybody's like, watch the British Utopia. It's so much better. And the thing is, like, it's okay. It's, like, fine. The more I think about it, the less interesting it is. Have you watched uh, this? No, I haven't. It, you guys always fly to... to oh, yeah, we're always... So many we're racking up those there. miles. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's Utopia, it's the, the British show, it starts really strong. Yeah. The first episode is great. Uh, I, yeah, I found that it was also just hard for me to motivate to get into that world. Mm. Uh, well, there's not then, much of a world as the thing because they're kind of it's these characters are kind of on the run through the whole thing, so it's sort of yeah. Disparate. And then there was sort of some dystopian stuff happening in real life that made me less interested right. in the show because yeah. I was like, oh, you know what's even scarier is real life. Yeah. <laughs> what what is Fincher like? What channel is he adapting it for? HBO. I think it's HBO. Uh, yeah, it's HBO. And I don't know when that's supposed to happen, but I mean, I'd be interested in it. I, the thing Hopefully I think Kate Mara will play all the roles. <laughs> the I thing, can actually totally see Kate Mara as like Jessica Hyde. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, tiny detective. What Jessica if we just Hyde. recast it with House of Cards people? It's like um, American yeah. Horror Story. Corey like Stoll, Corey Stoll would be who? Jessica Lang is everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean, I um that show I think more than anything, yeah, it, it was 
it's so violent and in in a really kind of uh, repetitive way mm-hmm. that I think, yeah, at the time that I was watching it, it was just like, okay, don't need this in my life right now. But it looks yeah, great. Yeah. It feel it, it. The music the is music. amazing. The music is, is the it like part. is it like a six episode like classic I think UK? It's six, yeah, or is it eight? It's it's and there's two seasons now, and I haven't watched the second uh, season. People say the second season's better. I'll get to it eventually, but yeah. Um, so uh, we've got some time left. Um, we uh, want to talk about your book. Okay. <laughs> so it's called Scandals of Classic Hollywood. Uh, when did it come out? What was it? Uh, last Tuesday, September 30th. Same day as Lena Dunham's book. It's counter-programming. Oh, man. Counter-programming? Yeah, or was, yeah. it, was it like a, 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 a competitive thing? No, I think, you know, I think so many people... Um, you know, buying a book, like, you go online and you, like, press buy. Like, it's I don't, people don't do it as often anymore. And so to have, like, so many people bought, like, that and, like, I got so right. many screenshots of, like, pictures of not that kind of girl in my book and, like, Bad Feminist <laughs> by Roxanne. Well, you, yeah. got, you have free super saver shipping. Yes. So. You get the exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've been, you've been writing about... Um, like kind of old Hollywood scandals, that kind of thing for a long time for mm-hmm. the hairpin before yeah. BuzzFeed. And you're also studied it or, or you're, you're a professional academic in the field as well. Uh, that's all gone you're, now, but yes, I used to work. Yeah. I was, you have a degree in gossip. I was. <laughs> that's how Vice did this story on me on like Sunday and they titled it like, what do you do with a PhD in celebrity gossip? And everyone on Twitter is like, that's what's wrong with our country. <laughs> Think of PhDs in that. <laughs> well, you have to you have to understand, you know, yeah. why things are the way they are in order yeah, to <laughs> exactly or just like revel in, you know, scandal. But we can learn a lot about America from Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know? Wait, so what 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 would you say is your key um, time frame, or what do you think is the golden era of of classic Hollywood scandal? Like, ooh, when was all the good stuff happening? Well, okay, so two things. A lot of the good stuff was happening in the 20s, and that's when, like, people knew about it. And so the the scandal would break, and then you would have, like, the backlash against it, which was much more interesting. So, like, when the Fatty Arbuckle scandal happened, all the papers would publish, like, the sermons that were given against Fatty Arbuckle, Whoa. which is amazing. Um, the LA Times, like, published, you know, seven every Sunday. Uh, and then, like, what was going on with all the flappers and, like, the, the films themselves were much more scandalous right. because even though there was, like, this ostensible tampdown that happened mm-hmm. in the 20s, it wasn't really heated by the studios. So yeah. there's all sorts of, like, suggestive... So it's called pre-code cinema. Because mm-hmm. it's pre... The yeah, because like, the Hays Code existed, but it wasn't enforced. There and were two so, versions of the Hayes Code, right? I the, feel like I remember this. So, like, there was the Hayes Code that Hayes... So, when Will Hayes was, uh, came in in 1921 and, like, to clean up Hollywood, they came up with the 31... Thir- 13 don'ts and 31 be carefuls. And it's like, <laughs> don't show murder. Be careful about showing pregnant women. Like, I mean, don't insult the priest. Like, that sort of thing. But, again, they weren't... There was no way to actually, like, enforce them. The studios just kind of, like, were like, hey, guy, cool that you're here, but we're still going to kind of do our thing. Uh-huh. And that worked until about 1932 when the studios decided finally at the threat of government censorship that they would adhere to the rules. So that was kind of, like, everything's running wild to some extent. 
But then the 30s, I think of as like actually really, really good gossip because that was when everyone, everyone was, was gay. Everyone was gay. <laughs> everyone was doing stuff, but it was completely covered up. Like yeah. the, it was just these perfect images mm-hmm. that. Uh, were the product of all of these fixers that worked at the studios. So it's more like stuff that people have uncovered since, whereas the 20 scandals, like it was just kind of on the surface. It was just level. right there. Ready yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, what, what do you think is your, what do you think is the, uh, the best story that you cover in your book? Uh, well, Mae West is my favorite. Like, whenever anyone asks me that, I think just because she's so, like, ribald and amazing and smart and came to Hollywood when she was, like, 38 and then had this mm. great career. And then, retired, like, after Hollywood didn't have a place for her anymore, came back to New York and just, like, hung out with boxers and, like, had this amazing penthouse and, like, luxuriated in herself and made <laughs> bad jokes. Uh, but... The one, this is, I mean, Clark Gable and uh, Carol Lombard are a chapter in my book. And so this story oh, is so romantic. Is, <laughs> is part of it. But they, uh, Carol Lombard got uh, Loretta Young pregnant. Do you know this story? Uh-uh. So they were filming a movie called, I think, Call of the Wild. I think based on the Jack London movie. Mm-hmm. And Clark Gable slept with everyone. Like, seriously, everyone. And... This was on a break from sleeping with Joan Crawford just on and off again. Like, every time they started a movie, they'd, like, hook up and then not hook up. And so he got her pregnant, and the fixers were like, "We can't, you need to have an abortion. Like, we need to take care of this. She's super Catholic. She won't do it. So she goes to Europe with her mother on, like, taking a rest cure and stays there until she's, like, seven or eight months pregnant, comes back to L.A., to have the baby, but uh-huh. goes into seclusion in her home and won't, like, and all the gossip columnists are like, I think something's going on here. So they invite one of them over, and the studio arranges for her to be in bed with, like, pillows and stuffed animals all over herself. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, that, so that it just looks like she's, like, lounging in bed. Oh, my God. And so they both, they're like, she's not pregnant. She's just sick. Like, she just she's loves just recovering. Stuffed animals. But it gets better because she has the baby. She gives it up for adoption. And then a year later, she's like, I want to have a baby. I'm going to adopt a baby. She adopts the baby back again. Oh, my God. And then she doesn't tell the baby, the girl, that her dad is Clark Gable until kids in the schoolyard who had, like, heard the rumor circulating because she had Clark Gable's ears were like, <laughs> your dad's Clark Gable. Uh-huh. She goes home and, like, confronts her mother. And oh is like, God. okay, yeah, your dad's Clark Gable. And so, like, was that sort of, do you think that that was, like, the age when, like, the idea of being a PR flack or something kind of came into being? Because there were the fixers, yeah. but then, yeah. you know, people that were actually representatives. I mean, how did that role kind of... That really happened in, like, the 40s and 50s. They called okay. them press agents then mm-hmm. and, and, and flacks. Mm-hmm. And they were responsible for placing items. So you would, at the studio, you would have, like, a press agent who was like, I've got... 40 things that I've come up with that I'm going to try to place about Joan Crawford today. Mm-hmm. And then as the studio disassembled, those people went more, for, like, them and agents went freelance. And so you have now each star, like a big star, essentially has a studio unto themselves. So, right, like, right. Tom Cruise employs, like, a publicist, a, like, an agent, a manager, which does, like, this ambiguous other job, yeah. and like a stylist and a trainer and all the things that the studio used to. It's a whole little industry just around one person. Which is why they have to get paid so much. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, I uh so what do you what do you what do you kind of see like why is it classic Hollywood as opposed to like current day? I mean, you do talk in your work on BuzzFeed, you do yeah. write a lot about present day. Yeah. Uh kind of tabloid journalism that kind of thing. But why is it people can't sue you? <laughs> yes, that is actually true. Okay. a really good point. Um but a lot of the things, you know, I'm not like coming up with new info new information about yeah. a scandal from 80 years ago like people are like what did you find in the deep dark archive like that what actually happened doesn't really matter to me so much as how the press covered it and right. how it was like made to mean at the time right and so but yes that's absolutely the getting sued is a really major reason not to cover that's a good reason stars. that's a fair reason um, didn't, didn't think of that right no, off but, the bat. but also it's more discreet so like if I were doing a star now and trying to get like all of the info, like all of the discourse about them, it's just like proliferating in every direction. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that with Connie Britton now, which is actually relatively easy because she doesn't give that many interviews, weirdly. Oh, really? Um, but it's still like all different corners. Whereas during Classic Hollywood, you had like a discrete number of fan magazines, all of which are now PDF searchable, and you had like the gossip columnists, there's only three of them really, and all of that is accessible through the yeah. historical newspapers. And they used to, I feel like, I don't know, I sometimes they're like extras on DVDs or something where they yeah. have the old these old interviews that they would do, like newsreel type interviews yeah, with, yeah. With, with actors and stuff, and I feel like they were all scripted. Oh yeah. Like every single one of them. Oh yeah. Uh, well, in the version, what I think of today, so they in the fan magazines, they'd always have the stars write their own articles. Uh-huh. So it'd be like, Marilyn Monroe, like, why I miss friends, or like, like that sort of thing. And clearly it's written by someone else. So you were talking about Friends, the show. <laughs> that would be great. Marilyn Monroe totally was like friends. I miss uh, friends. Um, <laughs> so but that to me seems like the version, like, but lots of people believed that it actually was Ingrid Bergman writing, you know, mm-hmm. or like Joan Crawford talking about her favorite turkey recipe. <laughs> and that is, like, that version, the 1930s and 40s version of Instagram and Twitter. Right. People want to believe. Yeah. I guarantee you 50 years from now, everyone's going to be like, of course there were people doing that for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, It seems like now people kind of want... Yeah, it's like it's like a combination of wanting to believe and and wanting to have the belief suspended. Now it's yeah. like we kind of revel in seeing people with their pants down and everything, but at the same time, yeah, you want that Instagram vision of everything. Totally. Yeah. Um, what do you think is what's your favorite kind of ongoing uh, present day scandal? At least as far as like the one that you you will always click on a link. <laughs> well, Brangelina is like my favorite. Um, oh, yeah. And I just, like, she does it for me. And I know that that's totally boring, but like, I, like, of all celebrities, like, sh- I buy what she is selling. Angelina? Yeah. Yeah. Like, still even? Yes, even still. <laughs> Although, oh, I have a juicy bit of information about the New York Times editorial. Do you want to Oh, hear? really? Yeah. Um, someone, someone off the record sent me something about it. And apparently she insisted that there wouldn't be the word breast in the title of the editorial. So this is after she had her double mastectomy, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Um, that the word breast wouldn't be in the title because it would be too easy to sexualize it and, like, turn, like, to other, like, finagle it and turn it into uh-huh. other things. And she insisted that it be published at, like, a very precise minute. It was after <laughs> midnight, and I can't remember why, like, what exact time. But the reason why was because she wanted it to go 
after the UK tabloids had closed for oh, the yeah. day. Well, that happens a lot, though, I feel like. Things will, stories will break right after the publishing deadline for either UK tabloids right. or tabloids here. Right. Like, I feel like that's what happened with the unconscious couple or the unconscious yes, couple. Yes, it totally did. It was like Friday afternoon, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Also with the information about Chris Martin and Jennifer Lawrence. Yes, yeah. Interesting. It's like, it's like just wait for it to pass a week and maybe we'll lose interest in it and it won't yeah. be in the magazines the next week, but it always is. Do you think that's actually happening? Oh, I think that happens all the time. No, it's like, but like, no, Chris Chris Martin and Jennifer Oh, Lawrence. yeah, that's totally happening. Oh, yeah. it's been confirmed. I oh, can't yeah. believe it. <sighs> Isn't there anybody else she can be? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's a little bit, I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he's. Really chill. I, I don't know. Maybe he writes songs. Disagree. He's like Disagree. not cool. I don't know. It's like not so cool. He's so off brand for her. I didn't realize that he was. I thought that he was as old as Gwyneth, but he is. He was younger than her. Really? Yeah. I think he's he's like thirty six or something now. She's having his midlife crisis early because he lost his virginity really late. If I remember correctly. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know this much about him, but but do tell. I, I do know this. I, I know I know that he lost, he lost his virginity when he was like 23 or something. Uh, was after he was already famous? Uh, yeah, or like <laughs> starting to be famous. Oh, God. Molly, who would you, what scandal do <laughs> he like, dated? He dated Natalie and Brutalia also. I know a lot about Oh, oh man. I love Natalie and Brutalia. <laughs> <laughs> um, who do you always click on? Who do I always click on now? Yeah. Uh, do they have to be a movie star? No. Oh, anybody. You know, I'm fascinated by Britney Spears yeah, always. Yeah, totally. I think that's like the the most you know crazy American story of of a while. I think yeah. it's sad and interesting. Uh, it's super and, interesting know, now that she's like doing her own social media and stuff yes. for the first time ever. Yeah, but who you know who knows even? Yeah, how... but I mean, it definitely seems more candid than it used to. I mean, that was always yeah. sort of yeah. the fascination before. Is that it was obviously everything that came out about Britney Spears had gone through a million different people. Yeah. And I, just, so... I just want her to be happy, and I feel like she won't be happy until she's allowed to retire, and she'll never be allowed to retire. Mm-hmm. And I just loved, when was it, like two weeks ago, that photo of her kid's birthday party? Yeah. So good. And oh, they had like that. they had like a banner that was like printed from an Apple IIe that was like happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> it, was oh at, my God. it was at like a very, I don't know, it was like at a Chuck E. Cheese's. Yeah, she's very, like, she's like a Calabasas soccer mom. Yeah. I like that about her. Yeah, I like how sort of, like, unrepentantly unglamorous she is. Yeah, yeah. that's like her, that's her me time, is just, like, not not caring. Yeah. But even just, like, when, you know, when she was kind of at the height of things and everybody was making fun of her for being, like, in Uggs and eating Cheetos off, off the clock, I was like, <laughs> that's exactly what she should get to do. Yeah. He yeah. wants to have to be, you know... Katy Perry or whoever all the time yeah. just like be sexy and be on constantly and like Katy Perry said the same thing too just anybody you know of course you don't want to it's like impossible to keep that up yeah um, well we should wrap things up here but um, Emily what's your favorite oh yeah you have to do it <laughs> am I dodging the question yeah um, <laughs> uh, you know Im- like Im- immediate past um, Amanda Bynes it's just like it because it feels like you're reading something that was written like like as not even like written as a as a fake story but like like a something literary literary reading. fiction. Yeah, well, it feels like yeah. literary fiction. It's too it's too bizarre. It's too sad. Like yeah, um, like the, I mean, just 
the quote she had about getting married, which who knows if that's true or not, uh, to this like 19 year old. It's just like, it's just poetry. I mean, and I wish it wasn't real. I, yeah. I, well, she had else? that one, she had that one quote that I don't think we can repeat on the air. About, uh, about men? About men. I would see to paraphrase it. It was like, I hate men. I want to have sex with them. Yeah. Um, and Emily just wrote me like, Molly will never be as good of writers as Amanda Bynes. <laughs> she's like, she's like the Hemingway of our time. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that's the conflict. That is the eternal conflict. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I just, I, I wrote a, long, a longer thing about her at the end of last year, just from everything that had gone on uh, from her, the 41, whatever it's, wait, 31, I forget the number that it is, the hold, but basically. Oh, yeah. It's called the 5150. 5150. I knew it was number one. Anyway, but yeah, that. I feel and, like we all learned what that was from Brittany. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was in the vo- vocabulary already. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's always a, I always click on those sort of fearing the worst, I yeah. think. But yeah, um, like she's here right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm on high alert. Oh my god. Um, well, we should we should well, we should wrap it up here though. But uh, but thank you so much for for joining us in our in our alternative setup here. Um, oh, seriously, my pleasure. I've been listening since episode one. So oh man, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, yeah. So so check out Scandals of Classic Hollywood and Olive and Helen's writing on BuzzFeed and uh, your Twitter handle is um, Anne Helen A-N-N-E-H-E-L-E-N so uh, cool well we'll um, we'll be back next week we'll be back on our regular schedule Um, and yeah later bye Bye, Molly (laughs) bye guys (laughs) bye bye thank you for listening to Grantland to hear more Grantland shows in your earballs subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes or Go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.